0: Coming up on The Medicine Podcast.
1: Maturity is not growing up and getting rid of the child. Maturity is knowing when to consciously integrate childlike experiences into your adult worldview.
0: Too many people lose that over the years. They get so serious about life. And we got to every day we have to be so on top of our shit. We forget to just stop and be like, dude, let's just like tickle each other <laughs>
1: <laughs> bliss deep curiosity belly laughter dry heaving from laughing so hard
0: i want all those things
1: these are childlike yeah responses that are too rare in adult life
0: welcome back to the medicine podcast my name is mimi and i'm sitting next to most beautiful creature on earth. <laughs> oh, whoa. You are. You're the most beautiful creature in my eyes.
1: <laughs> wow. Jesus. What an honor. Uh, well, it's super glad to be back. We are back under the red hat, everybody, as we so name these episodes where it's just Mimi and I discussing all of the pillars of the medicine, these medicines that we consider to be truly medicinal. They may not come in an orange bottle with a white cap. They may not be prescribed from the white lab coat. For sure aren't. (laughs) But they are these untalked about, not leaned into enough
0: Mm -hmm.
1: modalities, avenues. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) These, What do we call them? We call them pillars. Pillars of that's relationships, baby. Everything is a relationship. Yeah. Movement mindset, spirituality, nutrition, yep. fitness. There is medicines all over the place and we uh-huh. are here to unpack it and discover it.
0: I love it. We are unpacking and today's focus is going to be in the realm of relationship, conscious partnership, intentional um, intentional relating to one another and we basically wanted to spend just an entire episode talking about the best pieces of wisdom from that we've learned and embodied and had uh, frankly to we've had to learn the hard way. Yeah. Um, and uh, our hope is that in sharing these pieces of wisdom with you guys, that you can dodge some of the arrows that, Hit us in our relationship, and and we have a unique perspective on relationship, um, a unique story. If you if you haven't heard, if this is your first time listening to the Medicine Podcast, Chase and I were childhood sweethearts. We were married very young in our early twenties, and we basically spent three years of marriage figuring out that we had nothing figured out, and ultimately separated and divorced three years into marriage, never thought we were going to see each other again, and went on our own way, our own journey, our own path, and uh, started to heal many different aspects of ourselves and our lives, our paths kind of convened back together in uh, about 2018, and we organically reconnected and rekindled, and, and it it really took zero effort on our part in the beginning. It was like magnetic. We weren't trying to get back to each other, um, get back together by any means, but there was this magnetism that we couldn't deny. And it would have been, although it wasn't convenient at all to blend our lives back together, it would have been much harder to feel that, feel that authentic, authentic love for you and with you and say no to it move on with my life, that would have been a whole hell of a lot harder to deny. And so now we have this unique perspective of looking back on what we call part one. Now we're in part two. We've been together four and a half years in this part two, officially longer than we were married. And we get to learn from our mistakes in part one and choose differently.
1: I think so many of us have had these opportunities to feel the spark of love. And to have a deep connection with somebody in a romantic setting, a yeah. romantic domain, and go, damn, dude, this is it. I found the one. Mm-hmm. And that could very well be true. But it doesn't stop there. Yeah. In fact, that is just the kickoff to a significant learning opportunity. Um, you will step through challenge and charge as it pertains to that uh that initial spark. And for us, We just flat out didn't have the capacity, the tools, or the wherewithal to work through some of those challenges in our marriage and fortunately have had a second opportunity. What does that look like in part two? Well, you spoke to this rekindling of the flame that was very authentic and very real. But in this time, different from part one, we leaned into the accumulation of and the learning of all of these sort of tools and modalities that can support nurturing this relation into something that evolves and progresses into yeah. the best version of itself at any one particular given point in, in time and in our life.
0: And gets better over time. It gets better and better every year.
1: So we've been four years and coming up on four years into podcasting and we've delved deep into relationship work through courses, through books. We've learned from masters, John Wineland directly, both through his curriculum in the masculine and feminine domain of of mm-hmm. teaching relationship and conscious relationship work,
0: and in person, we've
1: gotten to know uh, London and Justin, who are similarly in the frame of uh, relationship work, conscious relationship. They're authors, they're teachers, they're coaches. We've been studying now directly with Paul Check, our mentor, for you know four years, but really two years intimately, directly mm-hmm. with him and and his community. And we have been injecting these tools into the content we've been content that we've been creating at the Medicine, uh, really to get to this point, which is like, hey, after these three and a half, almost four years of yeah. podcasting and and relationship part two, what would you say are the ten pieces of relationship wisdom yeah. that you've learned? So many of the things we're going to be talking about today, we've done entire episodes on. Yeah. So this will be a big referral to some deeper dives on each one of these yeah. particular topics, but. This is a really nice spot to take mm-hmm. a take a minute and and sit back and go what what are the 10 what are the top yeah. 10 right now?
0: I would say these pieces of relationship wisdom are sort of like a framework of if we were to sit down with a young couple and who are wide-eyed and spongy and wanting to learn how to create the most epic fulfilling fucking incredible relationship from the beginning. Yeah. These are the 10 Tools and pieces of wisdom that I would want to teach a young couple so that they are set from the beginning. There, there's going to be learning that has to happen, boots on the ground, and that can only happen between the, those two. But if, if we were to take our wisdom and teach it to someone the best of our ability, like what would we tell yeah. them so that they can stack the deck in their favor to um to really create because that's what it is you're creating whether you know it or not whether you like it or not you are creating your relationship which can probably feel scary for some people but it should feel empowering it should feel like yeah i do have agency i do have some level of control of the the health expression of my relationship.
1: Totally. Yeah. And this this is a list that will re- remain organic and we can add to it or sure. subtract to it or fine tune it as time goes on. Life experience is the best teacher of them all and surely these will be shined up or evolve um, but for now, 4 years into part 2, 18 years together, we've got 10 pieces of relationship wisdom yeah. that we are ready to share. We will do our best today. Not to get too long-winded on each one of these specific 10 pieces of wisdom uh, and do and do a thorough job of referring you to other resources like episodes that are you yeah, know, over or, an hour in length at, in at one of these topics, um, but also not leave out anything that's important pertaining to these 10. So this will be a great spot, um, whether you're new or you've been with us for a while, to do a little bit of a reflection on what we've been working on.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. We talk about a lot of stuff. And so we're trying to condense it as as best we can. um, So that the listener can can come away from this episode, having things that they can do today to make their relationship better to improve their the health of their relationship, but also tools that take some digging into that takes some extra steps of learning and embodying. So there will be a mix of both today for sure.
1: Totally. Before we get into the 10 pieces of wisdom, Mm -hmm. I got to know what you got going on in your cup.
0: Well, in my cup, if you're watching on YouTube, um, by the way, we are on YouTube now. Um, If you want to see our faces and expressions and uh, side eye looks and everything, you can watch on YouTube, uh, the Medicine Podcast. Check it out. But okay, so in my cup, in my big mason jar, I have... Just simple, high-quality H2O, baby. Wow. This is not tap water, though. This is water from our structured water system, from uh, the company that we know and love and have, have gotten to um, come to come to know the founders pretty well and trust their ethos and their mission. Um, that is Greenfield Water Solutions, and they provide all types of, of water solutions for people who want clean, mineralized, filtered, structured water in their home, whether you live in an apartment, a condo, a, a, ho- a house, or you travel a lot and you want something to take with you on the go, they have every type of solution that you could want as it, as it pertains to having structured water. Why do you want structured water in your body? Well, the point of structured water is to get it to a state that is basically mimics water in nature. So if you look at a stream or a river or the ocean, that's all structured water. The water molecules are in harmony, basically. Water out of the tap that's going through 90 degree angles and picking up all sorts of heavy metals and toxins and crud from the the pipes, um, basically makes it uh, behave in a chaotic way that is really hard for your body to absorb and and really nourish and hydrate. So by drinking structured water, you're taking that. Um, you're taking that process to the next level because your body can immediately use structured water. It doesn't have to go through the process of structuring it itself, and so you're you're basically saving energy and able to absorb structured water structured water in a in a much uh, better way and more hydrating to all of your tissues, cells, and stuff.
1: I, I always think of this in the same way that in my life, I gradually started. To eat better, um, prioritized, you know, proteins and carbs and fats in a proper ratio. But it was actually when I ch- started to choose organic food and everything organic that my diet and nutrition lifestyle radically changed. It skyrocketed, mm-hmm. and I say the same thing about the way that I consumed liquids, specifically water. Of course, I would put. You know, superfood adaptogen mixes like Organifi in my water and I would, uh, you know, squeeze a fresh lemon in there every now and then or throw some electrolytes in there. But it wasn't until I pivoted to structured water that the game really, really changed. And so I always talk about structured water is, is very equivalent to like when you upgrade your diet to organic foods, whole organic foods. Is what it felt like when we transitioned our water into a structured system. And what I love so much about Greenfield Water Solutions is that if you compare the level of intelligence that's in these systems to what else is out there on the marketplace, wildly affordable. Oh, wildly affordable. You you pay thousands upon thousands of dollars to get a a home system or like ours is a condo system. And in this case, it's really affordable. It's under a thousand bucks to get Mm -hmm. the under the sink unit. That is a three step system where you're filtering, cleaning and then restructuring uh, your device such that you can actually pull from from uh, a separate structured tap. It's really, really awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Highly recommend if you haven't addressed Your water and you're still drinking tap water or bottled water just consider that like dead it's dead water basically and structured water is more in alignment with a living substance that your body will love and appreciate so if you want to learn more about greenfield water solutions you can go to our website themedicine.com and in the main menu you'll see the medicine cabinet this is where we basically store all of our brands and products um, that we really align with that that help, you know, um, increase and amplify our health expression. So we have We have the water in there. We have all different types of products and the discount is embedded in the website. So if you go there and find Greenfield Water Solutions, you'll have to scroll a little bit. Um, When you go there, you'll you'll see the the discount code, which I believe is just all caps medicine with no E on the end. So if you want to check that out and upgrade your water system, that's a great place to go. Uh, what about you, my love? What is in your mushy mug?
1: I'll keep it quick because it's a consistent for me. And that is our very own mushy love latte cinnamon swirl. I take this because it tastes good. Of course, it tastes like a beautiful cinnamon roll. Uh, I've got some steamed raw milk in there with a little hot water. Um, but this is so good for digestion. Uh, it's so good for skin health, for hydration, chaga mushroom 500 milligrams is in this thing tremella mushroom the beauty mushroom 500 milligrams in this. In thing. each scoop in each scoop also both of these are adaptogenic mushrooms that have an immunomodulating effect in the body such that it will support and level your immune system mm-hmm. which is critically important in this fall season as everybody's yeah. talking about uh making sure your immunity is tip-top so it's a delicious way to do it i stack it of course with a bunch of healthy other uh lifestyle protocols but nothing more fun for me than having a steamy hot mushy love yeah. latte on a day like this and and I, I used it to wash down qualia mind which is a the best nootropic on the planet we have ads for qualia mind so I won't go at length on there, but been taking Qualia Mind uh, for a long, long time, like, like seven or eight years. They've been sponsoring the podcast the last year or so, and I'm so stoked for it. I've handed Qualia Mind out to so many of my friends yeah. who are in si- situations where they need to recall, yeah. um, where they need to be communicating at the tip top. Uh, shape that they could be whether that be for presentations or job interviews a lot of these folks are in sales and they're trying to close deals and and there is nothing that i have found that is that is good for you you know we yeah. can talk, we can talk yeah. about a bunch of other substances that'll amp you up a little bit that yeah. may not be good for you yeah quality of mind is the best version of healthy nootropic Brain supporting, cognitive supporting um, supplementation that I've I've ever seen. Huge advocate for it. Uh, we of course got a discount there too. You can find it on the medicine cabinet. You'll also probably hear ads for uh, Neuro Hacker, which is the company that creates Quality of Mind on our show. But you can use the code the medicine All and caps. and uh, they've got great deals for you. Um, so yeah, I'm in tip top shape, ready to freaking go. You can always use the code uh, medicine as well if you want mushy love. Um, and Mushy Love Latte it's 48 bucks one time it's 38 bucks if you subscribe it's a month serving scoop a day uh absolutely killer.
0: You want to know my favorite comment that we've gotten about Mushy Love? Yeah. This is so much better than pumpkin oh, spice. Oh, totally. Yeah. So we, much better. We had a we had a recent someone who is a friend of ours tried it for the first time recently and she was like, "Oh my god, this is so much better than yeah. pumpkin spice." Yeah. She was like I, I'm just so grateful that you guys said it was delicious, and it actually is. Because she was like, "There's so many other mushroom brands that say it's delicious, but it actually tastes like mud."
1: Totally. And we are all over pumpkin spice at this point. Like we're, yeah. we're just over it, yeah. ready to move on. Yeah. Much love to the PSL uh, life. Thank Upgrade you, Starbucks. But we're ready to move on.
0: MLL. That's right. she love latte.
1: All right, let's get into this. Let's Top 10 pieces of relationship wisdom. I'll let you kick it off.
0: All right. These are not in any necessarily particular order. You know, we're right. just, we're, we're thinking of 10. Uh, so it's, it's not a hierarchy. One is just as important as, as the next, but uh, there is no, no
1: Michael Jordan <laughs> <laughs> of relationship right. wisdom.
0: Right. Um, so the first one that we, we're going to talk about is think of your relationship as your teacher. Or your mirror. This is absolutely critical. Uh, this is not a piece of wisdom that was uh, taught to us in part one before our marriage. I didn't know that the relationship could be a teacher. I was sort of under the impression that if we loved each other, everything would be fine but no matter who your partner is whether it's it's meant to be or not or what no matter how conscious your partner is and how conscious the relationship is there, I- there are going to be moments of charge, of tension, of triggered, triggered moments. Um, and if we are not approaching the relationship as a teacher that is meant to inform us and illuminate lessons for us in our life, then it's um, it's a, it's a very muted way to go through, and I, I would say probably childish archetype child archetype way uh, of moving through relationship and, and we this is one that we had to had to really learn the hard way and it wasn't until we were apart. we were separated and divorced that I really started to listen to people who were speaking about relationship as if it is a teacher or a mirror, a, a, a tool for self-reflection, basically learning about not only your partner but also yourself. And I'll let you jump in in just a second here. But um, one of the things that helps us to really see it as a, a tool for growth and teaching is when moments of charge or tension come up, we are asking and reflecting to ourselves, maybe just in our mind, what is the thing behind the thing, meaning What is the deeper underlying issue, problem, or emotion that I'm experiencing that is informing the situation of what may or may not be very important to me or how we can move through this together? If we're just talking about the superficial BS details of whatever the charged topic is, there may not be any growth. Rather, if you're coming to your partner and saying, you know what, I know that we're arguing over the the dishes but really what I'm experiencing is I feel like I am alone in the upkeep or the responsibility of you know taking care of our home and that feels very stressful to me and I feel a lot of anxiety around this and I would just love more uh, of a team effort so you you get the point where it's like are we talking about the dishes or are we talking about the thing behind the thing or under the thing that's that's deeper, that is a moment of, uh, of learning?
1: Yeah, I mean, relationship as your teacher to me or as a mirror means one, like in our case, you can look back on a prior relationship and go, man, what did I learn about myself through that? And so most who are listening have probably had <coughs> some level of romantic partnership in their life. If that's an ex-marriage or ex-husband or wife like us, great. Uh, But even if it's just a relationship, take the opportunity now to go, what did I learn about myself through that? Yeah. Okay. I clearly identified that um, when someone tries to micromanage me, that's a trigger. So maybe there's something about me that has an authority figure trigger. And that brings me back to maybe a place in my childhood when a coach, teacher, pastor, parent was over controlling and i felt my freedoms were taken away Mm
0: -hmm. wow
1: i've really learned about freedom's important to me Mm -hmm. it may not be as much of an authority thing as much as it is a freedom thing wow that's important to me
0: wow yeah
1: freedom is an attribute of masculinity (laughs) wow maybe i have a a freedom embodied masculine presence in my life that's an example (coughs) of how you look back on the relationship as a teacher even better is if you can do it while you're in the relationship yeah Have you heard of zombie cells? So as we age, everyone accumulates zombie cells, technically called senescent cells in their body. Senescent cells cause symptoms of aging, like aches and pains, slow workout recoveries, low mental and physical energy. And these cells become like outdated furniture in the house, old and worn out and not serving any useful function for our health anymore. Recently our friends from Neurohacker have created a really unique formula for addressing these zombie cells called Qualia Senolytic. Much like exfoliating dead skin cells off your skin, Qualia Senolytic removes those worn out senescent cells to allow for the healthy cells in the body to thrive. I started taking Qualia Senolytic last spring and immediately felt the effect. Nagging aches and pains began to subside, And the restorative effect especially after workouts began to amplify we spoke at length with the neurohacker team to ensure that the quality as well as the efficacy was up to our standards and it is the formula is non-gmo it's gluten-free and the ingredients are actually meant to complement one another i already take a handful of supplements every day so the fact that you only take senolytic for two days a month made it even more appealing I've recommended or gifted Senolytic to some of my closest friends and after months of really positive feedback, I am excited to officially recommend Qualia Senolytic to our community and our listeners of The Medicine. To start this cellular rejuvenation process and prevent your body from entering the zombie cell apocalypse, use code Medicine. that's TheMedicine, T-H-E-M-E-D-I-C-I-N to save 15% at checkout at neurohacker.com backslash the medicine. Enjoy. Newsflash. Uh, the other day I heard that when uh, the, the whole like comment where you go, newsflash is a white person thing. <laughs> so apparently I'm, well, I'm just being a white person. We're but both white. So Newsflash from this white guy. You are going to be triggered in your yeah. relationships.
0: No matter how perfect your partner is for you.
1: And so... Those moments of trigger, those moments of agitation, the moments of frustration, of course that there's there's likely a warranted reason for you to be triggered because your significant other is doing something that is an annoying, bothering you, frustrating you. But while you're here, this is the, the advice. Use this as an, an opportunity to learn. The relationship is the teacher. It's the mirror. There's something about myself here. This is a projection of myself in some way. Uh, it's a projection of my frustrations about one particular attribute yeah. that is eliciting this sort of response for me. So take these opportunities to identify <clears throat> such things. An example, um, I will get frustrated because I hold myself to an almost unattainable level of perfection when it comes to, uh, the way that I calendarize and systematize my workflow and my life, and I will get frustrated by, you know, be honest, you, <laughs> when something falls out of the the calendar orientation, and I have to remind you about something that's on the calendar. Ideally, I would I would not have to do that. But I'm realizing as that's triggering me that I hold myself to an unrealistic expectation. I beat myself up times 10 when those moments are, are dropped in my own life. And I'm now projecting that criticism onto the person that I love the most. And, and, and the same thing with uh, body issues and body image and, and your sensitivities, your insecurities, these things that agitate and come up inside of you are not to be dismissed as only something to do with the other person. Yeah, They actually maybe even more so have to do with you mm-hmm. should be reflected upon and transmuted and galvanized into a way that can be a self-improvement tool for yourself because if it improves you, it improves the relationship yeah. next time you don't have to get triggered and unconsciously respond with a follow-up act of aggression and rather, you can start to go, wow, I just got triggered there. It's probably because I hold myself and our relationship to an unattainable expectation as it pertains to this XYZ feeling. What I'm rather going to do is open up a conversation that does not have as much charge around how we can enroll in a more effective and efficient way to outline our calendar. Mm-hmm. Just to use that example.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that the, this conversation around triggers is, is super important because, you know, newlyweds will get married and like, no, we're, we've never had a fight ever. It's like, okay, that's fine, but it is going to happen. So what are, what are the tools in your tool belt to approach that situation with the most consciousness? It's going to happen. So don't just count on history being like, no, we've gotten along. We're best friends. Yep. We've, been, we've been dating for a year. We've never had a fight. Okay, that's great. If you get triggered, this is what I tell people all the time and what I try to do in my own experience, in my own life. When I feel triggered, whether it's by Chase or anyone in my life, really, I do my best to like, okay, pause. Take a few deep belly breaths, not up in the chest. Belly breaths, let your breath. Let your belly fully expand. Do that ideally two or three times before you respond to your partner or before you formulate an argument or a response. And just first ask yourself, is this thing that I'm triggered on, is it actually important? I would guess 50% of the time, maybe more, The thing actually isn't that important. It comes down to differences and priorities and what the two different individuals hold as valuable. Maybe she likes making the bed every day, but she's frustrated that her husband never makes the bed. Well, (laughs) He grew up never making his bed and it's not really that important to him. But for you, it feels like so nice to get into a made bed. At the, I'm, I'm using a silly example, but these are the things that people fight over. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you that's important to you. So when you stop and think and you're like, no, it's not really that important. I don't really need to be that fired up about this, but it would be make me feel better. And so then you can take that to your partner. It's simmered down a little bit. You realize like no one's going to die if your bed isn't made. The The queen's not coming over. You're fine. But if it's still a request on your heart, like you can take that to your partner, like, hey, I you know really love when we come into bed at night. It feels much more peaceful and calming when I can like crawl into a clean bed, blah, 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 blah. Then you take that to your partner. Sometimes it'll be unimportant and you won't even need to bring it up. Um, but if it is important, speak from your own experience and speak to the thing behind the thing.
1: It's not just moments of charge. It's not just moments of quote-unquote challenge. You can learn about how you receive love. Wow, that weekend was incredible. I've never felt so high. (laughs) Well, maybe shared experience and quality time is a love language for you that is pretty significant. Check that off on something I learned. Um, You can realize through your significant other, through your partner, let's just say the example, wow, she just held me in her arms. I've never experienced that in my entire life. Wait, the feminine in my life, my mother or my grandmother or the women I grew up with did not show physical affection. I just learned something about my childhood, Mm -hmm. something that was programmed in me. I think that I deserve physical touch. And so these other attributes, your childhood upbringing, wow, I just sounded like my the way my father responded to my mother in that argument. I don't think that's actually me. I think that's just what was modeled to yeah. me. I'm going to make a different decision on how I react to my wife or girlfriend, different from that what was modeled to me when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the opportunities for learning are really endless. And so, again... If you want to deep dive more into this, episode 130, we titled it Relationship is a Mirror, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the episode for you.
0: Yep. All right. Let's jump into number two. So
1: number two is establishing a quote unquote high dream. Individually, for sure, but also for the relationship. It is critically important to identify a goal objective, ideal lifestyle, living sequence, or legacy for your relationship. Ideally, this is additive to one that you've developed for yourself individually, so I would encourage everybody to do that as well. There is a best version of you. Get very familiar with that. It can be as extreme as vision boarding the entire thing with all of your, your, the best versions of the things that you're interested in and that represent you or as simple as, you know, I want to have a family. I'd love to have a primary home, a vacation home. I'd love to go on a couple trips a year and I want to be fit and healthy. It can be as, it can be that simple. But spend time in that space, envisioning and identifying mm-hmm. what your potential is for yourself, and then co- as you enter into sacred partnership, relationship, marriage, especially, going through that process together, cultivating a strong generative drive together of positive and aspirational pursuits. What does generative drive mean? And this is a term that I've I've recently been listening to uh, Dr. Conti on Andrew Huberman's podcast talk about at length and how critical this is Mm -hmm. to the relationship dynamic. And of course, that's a very, very science version of what this means, but it has everything to do with what's the high dream of our relationship. Yeah. What's the best, most abundant, most thirsty for growth potential of our relationship? Let's spell it out. This is how are we going to impact others? What is our health going to look like? What can it look like? What do we think about finances? At what level are we living our highest potential when it comes to financial abundance? Spirituality, religion, how are we relating to God and to ourselves? Uh, Family and home, you want to have kids, you don't want to have kids. What does home look like? Where does it look like? What are the ethos of a family? Community and mentorship. Who are my friends? Where am I spending my time? Yeah. Is this a critical nutrient to, to me or is it not? I say that it probably is for most people. Do Men- we
0: do we have people that we respect and admire that we can look up to and go to if there are yes. issues in the relationship? Mentorship.
1: Where are the wise people in yeah. my life? Livelihood. The occupation. The what am I doing? Yeah. How am I making this impact in the world? How am I becoming healthy? How am I am I accumulating abundance into my life? These are critical components to a relationship, to an individual, but to a relationship. If you can spell this out, if you can get aligned on this, if you can articulate this, even if it's through a painting or something, but if you're revisiting this ethos, this constitution for the relationship, it will be this third party in the relationship that is a critical friend and companion Mm -hmm. as you navigate these wild, rough waters. And so, uh, again, a deeper dive on this relationship. We like to call it the high dream. Thank you, Jason Picard, for uh, donating that uh, idea into our ecosystem because we've continued to refer to an articulated high dream for ourselves in our life. Um, but if you want a deeper dive, episode 132, we talk about four underrated aspects of deep relationship and we go at length on the high dream, yeah. especially. So I would, I would really, really encourage everybody to start this process individually. Mm-hmm. If you're in a relationship, take it to the next level yeah. and, and get get specific. You don't have to be you can be pretty high level, but the more specific, the more interesting, uh, the more codified this becomes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and the, the, I just want to piggyback on that and say in that episode, we, we of course talk about the high dream, like you mentioned, but I believe we also talk about the low dream. Yes. And, And sometimes, you know, to provide context, we need to understand what our low dream is too, so that we know when either one of us is in the low dream or both of us maybe and we can recognize it and change direction reorient ourselves towards the high dream if if we don't know what that low dream looks like the muddy the waters get muddied with like where where are we at oh shit this is yeah. the, this is the low dream right now i'm experiencing a low dream moment or a low dream day and then you can also like fill in your partner about where you're at currently and and where you want to go together and
1: you can observe like we've been in homes of great friends and mentors and we come out of that and we go dude that's high dream like that that's what I'm talking about when I talk about the family environment that I want to cultivate Mm -hmm. Uh, but we've also been in settings whether that be community or whether that be something we observe or partake in where we go dude not not my vibe (laughs) not my vibe that's probably what i would consider the low dream or when we observe aspects about ourselves like hey last week i was totally in in low dream mode i was in scarcity mind i was in fear i was in pessimism and pragmatism and nihilism and uh, that's low dream for me I'm, i'm abundant this week i have positive outlook i've got pragmatism not pessimism let's go
0: yeah Yeah, no, I love it. Yeah, so check out episode 132 for more on the high and low dream and how to recognize both. Number three, this one is very straightforward. Never trash talk your partner to anyone ever. (laughs) It's pretty plain and simple. And that's one thing that we can all do today from here on out. Um, I'm not... uh, let me say what I'm, I'm not saying first. I am not saying that if there is tumultuous waters in the relationship, if you are navigating difficult circumstances, if you're just plain and simple, not happy whatsoever in your relationship, this is not me saying you need to paint with a rose-colored brush and Pollyanna everything in your relationship. I am not saying that. What I am saying is that when we speak about our partner, whether it's to ourself or to other people, you are continuously informing yes. your inner world, your psyche of how you see your partner and how you will continue to see your partner. So it's not overlooking difficult circumstances. It's not working together to create a better relationship but if you are going to speak about your partner, if it's not uplifting, if, you, if, you, uh, if they wouldn't get a smile on their face, if they were sitting right next to you and they heard what you were saying, um, I don't know if it's worth saying, honestly, um, especially in front of groups of people, Yes, um, in front of friends or family, whatever it is. If you feel like you need to talk to someone, I would recommend going to maybe an unbiased third party, like a mentor or an elder, um, or like a a coach or a, a qualified professional of if it's like, this is real stuff that we need to work through. It's it's much less productive, and I'm speaking from experience here. It is not productive to go to your sisters or your siblings or your, your parents directly all the time. Uh, if you have a really unique relationship with your parents and they're very wise and they have a beautiful relationship together that you've admired your entire sure. life, maybe... There are outliers. <laughs> there are outliers for sure, but try to focus on like, is there a professional or an unbiased third party that I could... That I could, you know, dump like brain dump with and figure out solution oriented action right. to take then to my, to my partner, excuse me. Um, so that is a really simple one.
1: Yeah. we talked about this one across a host of different episodes, but like you said, if you can't say anything nice. Don't say it at all. And and unfortunately, that's going to have to go against the current of culture yeah. because too many times to count have I been with the guys and it's the old ball and chain language around their yeah. girlfriend or wife. Um, too many times have I seen or witnessed girls night talk, talk conversations turn toxic about shitting yeah. on their
0: it becomes almost like a other it becomes almost like a hobby and it what it does if if we want to get really technical what it's doing is it's a pseudo erotic experience it's pseudo love it's creating a pseudo inner circle as mark goffney would explain yeah. it when you are speaking negatively about someone who is not in the room, you're creating a a, a fake inner circle so that you can feel more connected to the people around you. But it's not a real connection because it's not, it's not, it's not being experienced with the foundation of love. Yeah. So this is really critical. Um, And it doesn't, it doesn't get much simpler than for many,
1: many marriages. You have chosen this person for life. This is one of the most low-hanging practices that you can adopt to avoid deteriorating this lifelong investment you just made. Right. Like, you just put all your eggs in this basket, (laughs) the least you can do is not talk shit about them. In fact, we know that words are powerful spells. If you even have to lean one way or the other, lean Positive. Like it's that simple.
0: And the more, the last thing I'm going to say is the more that you actually speak into your partner and about them with your friends and family in a constructive, beautiful way, you will find more of those qualities to speak highly of. It's just the way that our brain works. If you are looking for things to trash talk, you'll find them. And if you're continually sharing them with girlfriends or family, it's going to it's going to be all that you see eventually which yep. is not fun for anyone.
1: Number 4, do the little things like they are big things. And this was one that's that's very close to home for us because there were so many small things that could have been done, shined up, pivoted, changed, swapped out from part one of our relationship that we left as is only to then add to this continuing state of Disease such that it bubbled up and blew up the entire relationship altogether. What am I talking about? I'm talking about fix the roof when the sun is shining. Yeah. Things that kind of bother you, but you're not, it's not really worth bringing up right now are things that you should take care of early and often. If your significant other is bothering you by a behavior pattern they are having, one, go back to number one, yeah. why is this a trigger? Why is this bothering me? Yeah, to set a container for bringing that up in an authentic way. Express what's coming up for you. If you've used your relationship as a teacher, you you might even know why it's coming up for you. And make a genuine request to turn that into something that can be collaborative, co-creative, and ultimately binding. Let's say it's leaving laundry on the ground and you realize that it's triggering you and you think about the thing behind the thing. And you say that, well, I've asked them to clean up their laundry. And so it's actually, I'm not being heard. I'm not being listened to is the thing behind the thing. Okay. Feeling respected as if my voice is worthy is a critical piece to this relationship in a proper time and setting, bringing that up and making a request of your partner, that you don't feel seen, heard, respected, valued, worthy when even little things like socks on the ground um, are not cleaned up, it hurts me. Mm-hmm. And being able to have that conversation prior to it turning into an accumulation of socks and then it turns into groceries and then it turns into you didn't drop the kids off at the right time at the right spot and it leads to a knockdown, drag out, screaming match, these can be solved through intentional solutions like fi- uh, like fixing the roof when the sun is shining, we like to encourage people to implement a check-in yeah. into the dynamic, dynamic of the relationship. What is a check-in? It is a relatively consistent placeholder in your relationship for you and your significant other to neutrally bring up things that are going well, things that you could use more of in the scope of the relationship. And uh, we've got a deep dive on this, probably won't hijack this conversation to get into the weeds of it, but it is our favorite relationship tool. Yeah. And episode 113, The Check-In, mm-hmm. is where we get into it. This is critically compor- uh, important to ensuring that your relationship is stable, that you've got an accurate pulse on the relationship. And it actually prevents a lot of what what many relationships tend to have which is this blind side effect from one significant other mm-hmm. to the to the other person because wait why are you just bring, bringing this up right now you you didn't tell me you were unhappy I feel like I'm yeah. blindsided well have you you've got in this busy life this world that we live in where there's a million distractions have you taken the time and the space to sit down and check in with mm-hmm. your partner how's it yeah. going
0: Yeah, and I think doing the little things like they're big things definitely includes something like the check-in, obviously, where we can sort of air out what might be bothering us. But this also – what also falls under this umbrella of little things like they're big things is um, our – things that are positive, that you're contributing to the relationship that could be considered a small thing. But when you add them up over the days and years of your relationship, it feels like a really big thing. What am I talking about? This can be, there's hundreds of examples. Hey, hey, homies. All right. Here's a question we get all the time. Is it okay for generally healthy people to take immune Intel AHCC, or is it just for people with serious illness? This is a great question. And most of the world is aware now just how critical a healthy functional immune system is in order to maintain long-term health. But it's still easy to forget about your immune system until it's too late, until there's a breakdown somewhere, until your body is dealing with something quite serious. So what happens when generally healthy people take AHCC? Well, it's sort of like fixing the roof when the sun is shining. And now your house is much less likely to flood because of a leak. How does it do this? AHCC works like a boss to quickly enhance the immune system, cell function, and communication. For example, the NK, natural killer cells, these are white blood cells that specialize in attacking tumor cells and cells infected with viruses. AHCC has proven to increase your NK cells by up to 800% in a matter of weeks. And T-cells, these immune soldiers are important because they help direct your body's immune response. Certain types of T-cells can actually seek out and kill foreign invaders. And AHCC helps promote optimal T-cell activity. I know that I want this intelligence in my body every single day. So Chase and I both take at least two capsules of Immune Intel AHCC every single day without fail. If you'd like to start blessing your body with this daily intelligence, go to themedicine.com forward slash products or just check the show notes below. Cheers, boo. But basically it could be as simple as when you make eye contact with your partner you smile. When you walk by them, if you know that physical touch is their top love language, you brush their back, or you give them a, a, just a, a random squeeze, or you're at their grocery store and you see their favorite candy, or you see their favorite whatever, and you grab it for them and you just let them know like, hey, I was thinking about you. Or you send them a nice random text in the middle of their work day or you leave them a note in the kitchen for them to find the next morning as they're making their coffee like these are all tiny things but if you took all those tiny things out of our relationship that we that we do for and with each other it would feel drastically different our relationship yeah. would be drastically different our connection would be Insanely different. So these little things do add up over the months and years of your relationship and they accumulate into this tangible but almost unspeakable quality to a relationship where you're 55 years old and you behave like you're 25 and you look at each other with such admiration and you can't imagine being with anyone else. You're fully immersed in the love and the 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 fulfillment yep. of your relationship like that's the kind of relationship that I want and it means that it's going to re- require and these things are fun they're fun to engage in they're fun to see your partner's response yeah. when you do something that seems little but in the long term is really is really big so get in the habit an easy way to start a very simple way to start if you don't know like I don't know what little things to do or to add to my life get in the habit of when you think something beautiful or wonderful about your partner, communicate it to them in some way Right? with whether it's a touch, it's saying out loud, like, man, you look smoking hot today. Or you like, I've noticed how hard you've been working. And I just, I just want to say that I really admire you. You just, you amaze me anytime you're thinking something beautiful, wonderful about your partner. Communicate it to them, whether it's your words, your actions, your touch, or maybe it's a gift or something like that. That's a really easy way to start.
1: Yeah, talk to any you know marriage coach or uh, you know, divorce lawyer or uh, somebody who works in the relationship space, and it's often those the the lack of those types of nutrients that that's what comes up. Rarely is it you're not providing for our family. Yeah. Rarely is it you're not comforting and nurturing our children. Yeah. Or Um, you weren't there for me when my parents died. It's, it's not those types of big things. A lot of times people are good and the obvious shit they're probably doing pretty well, but it's, you can starve in between those big life moments by not interjecting some of the micronutrients like this.
0: Yep. Do the small things, the little things like they are big things because they actually are big things. All right, number five, we're halfway through. Keeping the spark alive, which we talk about all the time, keeping the spark alive requires a different set of ingredients than it took to generate that spark or to experience that first initial spark between the polarization of the masculine and feminine. And uh, we have so many episodes that go into how to keep the spark alive and and, and things to contribute to your deep or sexual connection things like that specifically episode 120 and episode 155 how to keep the spark alive and that's a whole episode and then 155 is five ways to practice sex all day
1: well and i love this one um this tends to be one that we get great feedback on especially when we go on other sh- other podcast shows and we're talking about like oh your guys are relationship tips and because it kind of blows people's mind the spark in a relationship is something that's been very much coined in yeah. mainstream relationship. It's the the baseline for every fucking rom-com yeah. ever. There's a spark. There's yeah. an opportunity, whether it's love at first sight or or it's that friend who turns into the romantic partner type of energy. There's this clear energy and it's, it is. It's a spark. It's like lightning strikes and all of a sudden you've got a flame. Well, let's just continue with that analogy. That's that's kind of happenstance. Mm-hmm. You've got this sort of negative and positive, masculine and feminine as we like to call it charge that when properly polarized creates this flame, this spark, the the flirtation of love, if you will. But that dies. Some people it dies into dating, some people you get married, the spark's quite large. You go through the honeymoon phase or you even go through a few years and the spark dwindles. Mm -hmm. That environment that created the spark included novelty, included spontaneity, included a strong masculine and a strong feminine, whether you're male or female, doesn't matter. It's those two energies that create the spark. But the ingredients, if they are exactly the same over and over and over, will only ever keep that spark as a spark. We're trying to nurture this flame into an everlasting fire. Yeah. And so the ingredients, not unlike fire itself, need to transition from the spark, which can be literally on the tip of a match, into this fireplace. There are there's kindling and there's logs and there's a fireplace and a hearth. There's these ingredients that need to be set in place in order to nurture the flame into something that yeah. evolves and matures into a deep relationship. And that cannot be done using the same thing, in which in many cases was just kind of happenstance and yeah. random, to start the relationship off to, relationship off to begin with. And so keeping the spark alive, having an awareness, which is what blows people's minds, is like, listen, you can't just do the same thing over and over if you want to mature this flame into something that's everlasting. What's okay is to assess why the spark happened. Oh man, novelty—that was really important yeah. for us.
0: Or we were really playful. In we, the were beginning.
1: playful. we were super playful. Wow. We were
0: always finding new dates, new activities to do together, and it created a lot of fun and flirtation with within our relationship. Wow,
1: we were really leaning into to artistry. There was something that felt artistic. Yeah, we haven't had that in our relationship in a long time. So, reflecting back on what caused the spark is really important to implement going forward in a new novel way
0: conscious way
1: conscious way and so i love this conversation um keeping the spark alive is very effective when the ingredients and the inputs are evolving and and potentially even changing in order to keep that little flame growing into this everlasting fire that we call Yeah. A loving relationship.
0: Pop culture, mainstream media, whether that's TV or movies, will paint a picture that it's normal for a married couple, especially to basically when they get into their 40s, 50s, 60s, like just kind of put up with each other.
1: As business partners.
0: Business partners. We're roommates that know each other really well. We get along. We might have a friendship, but is there that admiration and that love, that, that, that flame, is it still there? And, and this is your invitation uh, to reject that mainstream depiction of long-term relationship. It can be fucking incredible. But (laughs) you have to acquire a new set of tools and a new set of ingredients. So if you want to learn more about those ingredients, we go super deep into them. Episode 120 and episode 155 would be a good place for you to start.
1: Guys, if you are loving the medicine podcast, it would mean so much to us if you left us a review.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
1: Apple Podcasts, I think, is the spot where you leave reviews. I don't think Spotify does. Spotify that. does have Do it they now. have reviews? Yeah, now. They do. I know they do rating, but maybe they have reviews as well. Either way, it means a ton. It helps us with, like, I think rank and algorithm yeah. and stuff like that. But I love once a week going in there and taking a look at reviews. Oh, my gosh. It means new reviews. so much. It means a ton. And um, what we also do for anybody who leaves a review is if you screenshot it, and then email us directly at the medicinepodcast at gmail.com. We'll read the review and cry and be grateful we'll for you. We'll
0: hug and kiss. But
1: we also send you one of the products that we collaborate yeah. with on uh, through our partnerships page. So that could be Organify, that could be Ned. Uh, magnesium could
0: be mushy lover, could be HCC. mushy lover, HCC. And so, we like to surprise you.
1: We like to surprise you. Um, so that would mean a ton if you did that. And and let us know, we will shower you in some supplements.
0: Yeah. So, when you write the review, just take a screenshot and email it directly to the medicine podcast at gmail.com, and we will get a surprise thank you gift in the mail ASAP directly to you. Um, yeah, and if you're if you're liking this episode, this is a good time to pause and send it to someone that you love.
1: Yeah, great call. We're halfway through our list of ten, and next up, number six. Yes, leave space for change. Mm,
0: what do you mean by change?
1: <clears throat> News flash. <laughs>
0: <laughs> PSA.
1: Newsflash. flash. <laughs> Human beings change, and for yes. some reason, we've been convinced in this society that things are just going to stay the same. Yeah. Like we had this match, this match made in heaven that kicked off the flame, the spark of the relationship. And that as long as we just kind of stay here, we'll be good. Yeah. And here's the reality, young relationship, especially, but many relationships, they do match because one individual not quite whole and there's some gaps, maybe some deficiencies The other individual, not quite whole, maybe some gaps, maybe some deficiencies, but together they actually uh, cooperate in a way that appears as if they can be whole. You fill my voids, I fill your voids. We're actually quite dependent on each other in that way. I depend on you for for your strengths, you depend on me for my strengths. Great. Think of that as these these puzzle pieces that have fit together, but- Human beings evolve and they change. Mm-hmm. Whether that's externally through environmental factors, or whether that's through just the fact that we're growing and changing, and our insides are constantly evolving. As you evolve, picture those puzzle pieces rotating. Yeah, they're rotating and they're changing shape. And all of a sudden, you don't feel as compatible. You maybe have realized, oh my god, this wasn't actually co-creation. This wasn't wasn't as much collaboration as it was codependency. Yeah, and our initial attraction was a codependent attraction that mimicked competency in the mm-hmm. world this is fine this is not a bad thing this is how many many relationships start and,
0: and th- there is a function to codependency like a child and a and a parent you know there is some level of codependency we just have to evolve past that and this is where jerry maguire got it really wrong when you know he's like you complete me that's actually not fair to the other person. If I complete you, what happens if I change? Right. So it's it becomes threatening. Change then becomes threatening. If you complete me, then if you change, my world is threatened. Or if you evolve past the level of consciousness that we're both at right now, now change seems scary.
1: Which is why we say leave space for change because when you don't, it's quite easy for someone who is feeling themselves change, go shit. They love a version of me. That's not Mm -hmm. authentic to me anymore. And that is, that is traumatizing. That is very, very challenging place to be in. And it can actually resort to doing things that are completely hurtful to the whole relationship out of the fact that you don't have enough breathing room to Mm -hmm. be who you are or Mm -hmm. to experience the kind of, of changes you are going through in a free and, and safe setting. So that's, Number one, why I say leave space for change. Number two, the secret ingredient of love is the freedom to continue to choose each other. Mm-hmm. By leaving space for change, you're leaving space for the freedom of choice that you and your partner have with consent entered into this arrangement we call the relationship with. Mm-hmm if it doesn't feel like a choice it won't be as a as powerful of a love experience i realize that freedom also comes with risk we enter into marriage a lot of times less out of the commitment for and and servitude to the relationship and to the love dynamic and more so for the fact that all right we've got ourselves a nice little legal document cushion around this thing such that if You know, either one of us fuck up. We can kind of just be like, hey, we're we're bound to each other with this thing. You're stuck with me. But marriage can have a tendency to stifle love, real love. And it's because there is this obligatory nature to to have chosen me instead of continue to choose me. Yeah. And so I'm not saying you shouldn't get married. Rather, what I'm saying is leaving space in the relationship for your for your partner and for you to be able to feel like you're making a conscious decision to choose them
0: mm-hmm.
1: consistently. Yeah, I hesitate to say choose them every day because that's what you know people say like choose. but some days you're like, dude, you don't feel like choosing them. You mm-hmm. may not feel like choosing them. but enough time and enough space to reflect and feel through it your love will benefit when it is a conscious choice that's been Im- embedded in freedom yeah. to love that other person, to choose that other person. And then it feels really good when you feel that person choosing mm-hmm. you because mm-hmm. you know you've allotted them enough freedom.
0: Yes. Yeah. It, it's um, basically like a receiving a gift versus that that's thought through and the person really took time and energy to pick out for you and they got it just for you versus you know like the the parent that's like hey uh you better buy your mama a gift here Yeah. yeah you know it's like someone's telling you to do it it's not really from like it's still it's fine but it doesn't like it doesn't light you up, you know. It's like yeah, someone like told you to do this, someone had you do this, someone convinced you to do this, and yep. that's I think sometimes the rut that we fall into. Certainly, we fell into when when we were married. We weren't we weren't always choosing each other um, because well, it, it keeps
1: you on your feet too. It keeps oh, you like All right, keeps I gotta- you
0: self reflective on how you're showing up, how you are contributing to the relationship, and honestly, this is. One of the reasons we talk openly about this with people who ask us if we're going to get remarried and not that we won't, we probably will at some point for legal issues and and taxes and kids and stuff like that. But one of the things that I've genuinely loved about part two is that there are no legal strings besides our business that we have together. Um, But there are no real legal strings that are keeping you in this relationship or keeping me in this relationship. It is 100% me wanting to be with you and to show up to experience endless love. So that feels a lot better to me than what we had in our marriage. I'm not saying that marriage is bad or wrong and that people shouldn't get married. I'm saying that in my experience... Part two, unmarried, feels drastically yeah. different than part one, married, in so many different ways, but as, as specifically choosing each other on a regular basis. And it feels so fucking good to be chosen, not to be said, yeah, you're in this with me. You, you, yeah. you said yes, you signed an oath under God, and you're stuck with me.
1: Yep. Leave space for this. I will disclaim it and say... The freedom to be chosen is also the same freedom to not be chosen. And that shit is scary and it hurts like a motherfucker. Yeah, it does. But that is the ingredient of love, dude, is the space to change, the freedom to even say, I love you so much that I'm leaving space for freedom for you to leave if you have to. I won't like that. It's going to hurt. It's going to feel like shit. But if we're in this for love, it it has to include this ingredient of freedom. Yeah. Um, We get into this further. Episode 146. Six signs you're in co-creation versus codependency with your partner. I have a great ocean and life jacket analogy that I'll save uh, for someone who goes to deep dive that episode. Number seven.
0: We've talked about this topic at length on the podcast, basically every episode of Under the Red Hat. We touch on this to some degree. Understand the masculine and feminine dynamic and where you individually most comfortably sit in the relationship. And so so what do I mean by that? If this is the first time you're hearing about the masculine and feminine energy dynamic, we all have the masculine and feminine energies, polarities within us existing on a spectrum. Some people are really left brain, masculine, top down, left left, Logical, left to right, rational, top to bottom. Structured. Very analytical, the engineer, the architect type. Then we have the opposite end of the spectrum where she is absolute flow, and she can't be bothered by time, and she is living in her right brain. She's a painter. She's an artist. She doesn't live with a calendar. Like, that's the extreme, right? So This, we, this is
1: hyperbole a little bit because there's so much nuance in yeah, each one of these domains. Yeah, I'm saying that it's, it's yeah. a
0: spectrum. So one end of the spectrum is the engineer. One end of the spectrum is the flowy feminine artist archetype. And we all exist in varying degrees, sometimes different on different Days, even or depending on what our career or life circumstances is inviting us into, to step more into our masculine or more into our feminine. But these are complementary opposites, they complement each other, and so they exist within us individually and then they exist within the relationship. So, for example, I am tend to rest. My essence is a feminine essence. I want to be penetrated. I am more right brained. I am more flowy in my approach to life. My My uh, mission, my drive in life is usually centered on experiencing love. The feminine is the love-driven being. The masculine is the purpose or freedom-driven being. And so these two come together and the way that they play and dance together can really make a huge difference in the relationship. And this is critical for us to understand about ourselves and each other because I think All too often, so many individuals in partnership see how their partner shows up differently in life than they do. And they almost, they are frustrated by it. They don't understand it. They think, oh my God, why can't he just do this? I would have done it so differently. Or why can't she just do it my way? This is how I like it done. Well, it's because you're approaching life from completely different viewpoints and you're motivated by different things if you have a masculine essence and a feminine essence. So being able to understand yourself and your partner allows us to illuminate these differences and celebrate them, work with them once you learn some tools under this umbrella of the masculine and feminine and you work with it to create uh, a more beautiful and deep, rich experience with your partner. Not to mention... Understanding this will absolutely amplify your sexual uh, relationship with your partner.
1: This framework was beyond critical for our reconciliation and reconstruction of our relationship in part two. Um, And we're speaking about archetypes. There are a host, if not unlimited number of feminine and masculine archetypes. And it's very fun to Mm -hmm. learn about each. Because some will land and some will not, and that's okay. Like, there is a diverse set of masculinity uh, attributes that will resonate and some that won't, and same with the feminine. Um, And what I love about this framework is it's not unlike, let's say, the ketogenic diet. Trying on a low-carbohydrate, higher-fat diet. Is a really fun practice that can lead a lot of people who've struggled with overconsumption of bullshit carbohydrates and processed foods and sugars to a place of health that they've never experienced where they don't have to depend on sugar anymore. Only to then realize that at some point you can intuitively navigate food and nutrition without needing the keto protocol 101. And that's how I feel about the masculine and feminine framework. It is such an important tool set such that you can evaluate yourself and your other and your relationship through only to then keep what works and exfoliate what may not resonate because i have seen it get to the point where it's it's not any longer productive in a relationship and people get too into the weeds of it but it is a beautiful beautiful stepping stone into Mm -hmm. evolving your conscious relationship or the relationship into one that is more conscious
0: Hey friend, quick question. Are you on your path of self-discovery and development, but find yourself wishing you had more people around you doing the same? Maybe you've made strides in your own evolution, but wish you had more of a robust community of conscious individuals. I get it. One thing that was sorely missing in Chase and I's marriage was a positive conscious community. We were lonely and it really started to affect us negatively. For the last three and a half years, Chase and I have been attending workshops at Paul Check's home in Rainbow, California. Paul Check is an internationally renowned holistic health, fitness, and personal development expert. No teacher or mentor has contributed more to our life and personal evolution than Paul Check. Each workshop is completely unique, painting and art therapy, archetypes and symbols, breathwork and cold plunge, sound healing, dream interpretation, tarot, and so many more. They have had a profound effect on Chase and I individually in our relationship together and the future we are creating. These workshops are always filled with new material for my soul, incredible, professionally cooked organic meals, and the people we meet from all over the world are truly mind-blowing. Attending in person is best, but if you can't get away to California, Paul offers the majority of workshops online as well. We are personally inviting you to come hang out with us, learn from Paul, stretch your mind, and build your community of aligned conscious souls. To see the schedule and register for an upcoming workshop, you can find the direct link in the show notes below, or you can always DM me on Instagram, at Mimi underscore the medicine to learn more or ask questions. We hope to see some of you there and get to hug you in person. Cheers.
1: And. David Data, the – oh, why can't I think of the name right now? The The Way of the Superior Man. John Wineland's From the Core. I'll let you speak to London – Angel. these are books, by the way, both of these books, um, as well as London Angel Winters and her husband, Justin, Mm -hmm. have crafted two really powerful books together.
0: Yeah, uh, the first that ain't uh, that they wrote together uh, is called "The Awakened Woman's Guide to Everlasting Love," and their second book that came out last year is called "Playing with Fire." Yeah, that's right. And it's speaking to the fire being the spark between the masculine and feminine, and how do we cultivate the tools such that we can help the fire. F- flame <laughs> to the point where it's it's everlasting. So, definitely uh, amazing books to to check out. Also, we have quite a few episodes yeah. discussing the masculine and, and feminine, but three to start with would be episode 124, How to Deepen Masculine and Feminine Energy, episode 143 with John Wineland, and then one uh, 186 with Justin and London. Those were bucket list interviews for us and they did not disappoint
1: this is it's so fun yeah um king warrior magician lover is another one for the guys out there who or 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 women who want to learn more about the primary masculine archetypes it's just a very very fun framework and i encourage everybody to get really familiar with it Mm -hmm. not dogmatic by any means but but a really great stepping stone yep yep all right number eight Spend time learning about each other well as well as your own, but with each other pertaining to your childhoods, your relationship to mom and dad, both the literal mom and dad as well as the figurative archetypal yeah. mom and dad, and get an understanding as to how your programming was set up you know we talk about a lot and in psychology they talk about a lot those first seven years of life are really really critical important critically important to how you will live the rest of your freaking life like Mm -hmm. it's insane at the end of the day guys we're all (laughs) trying to untangle our childhoods it's so wild like as adults i've witnessed friends and family who late stages of life you know 60s 70s 80s all their childhood shit is resurfacing. Yeah. And even if it was dormant for a while, if it, if it's left unaddressed, it will surface. And yeah. as the relationship is the teacher, the way we kicked off this conversation, your childhood will come up in your relationship. And so this is another reframe yeah. opportunity to go, hey, how can I learn about myself and learn about you through this? Yeah, um,
0: the way that I think about it, I'm just getting this visual right now. We've we've talked about this a little bit before, but I, those first seven years are like basically where the buttons on your life remote are being placed. So everyone's remote looks different, and those seven years are kind of deciding and dictating where those buttons and what are those buttons and where are they going to show up for you? And then as you move through life, a new button is pushed and it may not have been pushed before and, but it's, it was wired in those first seven years. And so it's just about basically inviting yourself into the practice of reflecting and on your own, but then with your partner, like what are those buttons and how are you moving through and approaching life by way of what was implanted in you in your psyche in your environment from a young age and we we've been together net 14 or 15 years now and we're still at the dinner table asking each other questions about each other's childhood it's never going to stop for us
1: it is a process and again we're combining number one which is use the relationship as your teacher uh, almost like as a supplement to this number eight because this is kind of the example of how you can make the relationship a teacher when you start unpacking some of the behavioral patterns in the relationship for you and your significant other and go damn that's coming from childhood stuff this is coming from nature this is nature and nurture type stuff like some of this is just nature you're born into it and we can get into some we'll I'll get into some of those practices that we found helpful to to be a little bit more in tune with with nature and then you've got nurture what was the environment like what was the parenting like the community like that you grew up in we grew up with conservative christian community gener- very
0: very strict parents
1: very strict parents um we were you know conservative leaning Community as it pertained to politics.
0: We were both middle children.
1: Middle children, Pacific Northwest, were suburbs. Ninety kit nineties kids, who've got cable and we're watching the Disney Channel. You know, you you start to unpack these things and realize how much of a yeah. heavy sports culture. So yeah. heavily encouraged to play sports in our community. I came
0: from a blended family that had step parents galore, and so
1: you've got you've got divorce imprinted in the dynamic. Yeah. You know, my parents came from poverty, so there's this relationship to you know money and being successful that's critically important to them that's imprinted on my siblings and I and this is all fun stuff but it's powerful the thing about this is this is unconscious these are unconscious and they play out like you've talked about where these where these remote controls with installed buttons and unconsciously the buttons are expressed when life's circumstances press them and in the domain of a relationship you get a lot of buttons pressed that you didn't know were programmed inside of you, and they will respond unconsciously. It's up to you at that point yeah. what you want to do with that. Do you want to reprogram the button to yeah. respond a different way? In certain cases, I'm grateful my parents installed some buttons that I unconsciously respond to, like, oh, wow, I can work pretty fucking hard. Thanks, mm-hmm. Mom and Dad, for yeah. installing that button. Yeah. Um, in other cases, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm a little aggressive there. <laughs> <laughs> Let me re (laughs) re reinstall that button a little bit. Um, And just a couple bullet points for relationships and how it, how it can show up. There's so much more here, but um, you know, it was John Wineland actually who taught me about how there's a good chance unless you've healed the relationship to your mother or your father that you will be depending on an unhealed, you know, that whatever unhealed relationship, let's say I have an unhealed relationship with my mother, I will be grooming my significant other to become my mother and ultimately accept me and validate me until I make a conscious change to do otherwise. And you see it a lot, uh, other way around, where women, will marry their father or groom their significant other into becoming their father who never accepted them, loved them, validated them to make a a second attempt at being validated by their father, only to realize that that individual groomed in that Mm -hmm. way will not ever validate them in that shape and form. And so I was like, Whoa, Holy shit. The unhealed aspects about our relationships too. um, especially the parent of the opposite sex will play a huge role in the relationship now you know if it's the parent of the same sex you'll likely and you have an unhealed or unaddressed dynamic you'll you'll likely go try to find that in life for instance um if you're a man and your father never validated you you'll probably look for every coach (laughs) teacher boss to try to validate you and give you a stamp of approval for the rest of your life. But we're talking about relationships here. And oftentimes it is the parent of the other sex that ends up being a, a pretty big role in how you cultivate a healthy relationship between your partner and yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Beautifully uh, put
1: Another one that, that stands out to me and that, that I think is um, really, really fascinating. And, and Paul check, oftentimes uh talks about this one where your relationship to your inner world is and the attributes that you have and the stories that you tell inside of your own head oftentimes have to do with the same attributes that you the parent of the opposite sex.
0: Yeah. The parent of the opposite sex is how you relate to your inner world and the parent of the same sex. So for example, my dad and how I related to him is probably very similar to how I relate to myself and my relationship with my mom and how I how she was, how she showed up in the world is probably more similar to how I show up in the external yep. world. And that's spot on. Yep, It's absolutely spot on and for it's, me. It's
1: the it's the highs and the lows. So you've got your mom's highs and your lows, and that is likely the highs and lows that you give yourself internally if you're a guy. Or my dad's highs and lows, that is how I externally communicate yeah. myself to the world. Yeah. It's really it's mind-blowing stuff. It's spot on stuff. for you too, it is, isn't it? It is, it yeah, is. So what, what I'm saying is that The relationship is such an opportunity to learn about yourself and your significant other's programming in childhood. And and a lot of this is is just environment and childhood programming. But then there's also this nature aspect. Dude, we're we're just born a particular way, right? And so I'll quickly shuffle through these because um, we have found some of these esoteric tools to be really really fun and if you're familiar yeah. with our podcast and you wildly know,
0: helpful yeah
1: you you know that we love having adrian our astrologer on uh, paul check is our mentor and he takes anything and everything esoteric and weaves it into a beautiful healing modality Um, Greg Schmaus, who was even just on relatively recently, he's been on three different times talking about the power of archetypes and going through these intuitive processes for identifying, um, you know, essentially some of these pieces about your nature that are so relevant and make up who you are. And so learning about each other and learning about yourself Mm -hmm. through some of these other tools, um, you know, love languages is another one you can go through a pretty robust, um, process for identifying what your primary love languages are. There's of course personality charts and things like that. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, the Enneagram is another one mm-hmm. that we've found a lot of value in over the course of, yeah. uh, our relationship. And so it's very, very fun. It's also wildly informative and healing, potentially challenging. Yeah. But I think as it pertains to top 10 relationship advice, Take some time to learn about yeah. each other's nature and each other's nurture. If, you,
0: if you're if you listening and you're in a relationship and both of you are serious and committed to individual self-development and then relationship development, two things that I would highly recommend that are not going to be mainstream pieces of advice um, is to, like you said, <laughs> schedule a session with Adriana Beta. She's been on our show five times now. She's our astrologer slash therapist slash fairy godmother. She is one of our favorite humans on this planet. And she if she had more exposure, she would be on the level of Superstar. like Tony Robbins yeah. because she holds so much wisdom in that tiny body. Um, I would highly recommend doing a natal chart reading with her with you and your partner together you can do it individually for sure but like we did one together and it was so illuminating learning so much about each other on a fundamental like cosmic imprint level which is going to be more helpful than probably 99% of the books that you're going to read out there Mm -hmm. for relationship stuff it also drops you into so much authentic empathy for your partner. You're literally seeing how the cosmos stamped their energetic imprint on your partner. And certain things that might be frustrating or different between the two of you now are illuminated in a way where you're like, oh my God, it's literally part of your makeup. Now, I'm not saying you can't change, but this is part of the process is understanding what are we working with here? And do we want to reorient ourselves in a different direction based on the information that we have? Wildly helpful. Um, you can check out, I'll, I'll put Adrian's contact information in the show notes. If you want to check her out, can't speak highly enough of Adriana Abeda. The, the other one that I wanted to say was the casting your archetype wheel. And we have a whole episode about this. This is episode 165 with Greg Schmaus, who now has been on three times. And when it comes to archetype, I um, aside from Carl Jung himself, <laughs> right. I don't know if I've ever come across someone who has a deeper understanding of archetype. All uh, archetypes are really endless, but a wide variety of archetypes. And then you're able to do this with your partner and understand your, uh, again, your natal imprint based on an archetype level. And then from there you can, um, just understand so much more about yourself and your partner and which archetypes you are currently in and what you might be stepping into or all of that. It's, it's, it's so fun
1: yeah yeah i think we broke the five minute on number eight but that was worthwhile we'll rip through these last two we're on nine and ten
0: number nine you gotta play a lot and you gotta stay weird you gotta stay weird with each other like don't let the childlike play and weirdness and imagination and flirtation disappear from your relationship. It's honestly one of my favorite parts of our relationship is in one moment we have the ability to be steamy and deeply connected and like in amazing conversation and connection. And then the next moment we're making a dick joke or a fart joke and we're laughing until our stomachs hurt and we're just being weird and flirting and dancing together and making each other laugh with weird faces. And like all of those things contribute to play. Whatever play is for you and your partner. um, But being weird is (laughs) certainly play for us. And sometimes I think of the weirdest response just so I can get a laugh out of you and it like lights me up. And I know you do the same for me. And it's just, it's a beautiful part of a childlike, romantic experience. And too many people lose that over the years. They get so fucking serious about life and we gotta, uh, 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 uh. and every day we have to be so on top of our shit. We forget to just stop and be like, dude, Let's just like tickle each other.
1: (laughs) Bliss. Awe. Deep curiosity. Wonder. Belly laughter. Dry heaving from laughing so hard.
0: I want all those things.
1: These are childlike responses that are too rare in adult life. Yeah. Maturity is not growing up and getting rid of the child maturity is knowing when to consciously integrate childlike experiences into your adult worldview so that you can experience the combination of the artistic the intuitive the playful the creative inside of a framework that can be progressive and can grow and can evolve and be productive and so it just drives me fucking insane because i felt like i lost my entire twenties lost the opportunity to be childlike and it took kind of an act of God. And it's one of the reasons I love my brother so much is because he's such a, he's such a permission slip for me to be goofy and remind me of my childhood and stuff. Again, I just freaking love that guy so much, but this attribute of maintaining a healthy childlike muscle and knowing when to flex that muscle in your adult life, will not only save you just individually, but it will galvanize the relationship. Yeah, And it's such a powerful tool. Like, when was the last time you laughed? When was the last time you flirted with each other? When was the last time you casually kind of poked at each other and, and played together? Or Those just are-
0: grab your partner and start dancing in the kitchen while you're doing the dishes or... Blasting music from your high school days like that's honestly a favorite pastime that we do together is like randomly we don't structure this we just randomly will drop into this where we're playing we just did this the other night playing music from our high school you know we, we were like doing like top rap Top yeah, rap yeah. hits from 2005 and Get six Richard, or what baby, sixth grade. Let's <laughs> And go. it was just like it brings back so many emotions and memories yeah. and like, oh my God, remember this. Oh, this is so good. And yeah. it just gets you in the moment of of play and laughter and flirting. And um it's just a, a really a beautiful part of again that relationship that is sitting in admiration for your partner, even after 50 years.
1: Totally. We also get into this one during the episode titled Four Underrated Aspects of Deep Relationship. And that is episode 132.
0: Yes. All right. Coming in hot with number 10. Last
1: one. Come on. This is the way to end it. Yeah. To the way to close it out talk openly and honestly about sex Mm -hmm. and your sexual desires if you can't talk about this with the person that you've just signed up for life with if we're talking about marriage or or you know a a deep romantic intimate relationship this where where the fuck else yeah can you talk about it this is where you get to go here is There's all my of me. freak show. Here's my <laughs> freak show, baby.
0: Here's all of me.
1: Whether it's uncomfortable or not, lean into this early and often, yes. I would say, um, kind of piggybacking on an earlier point of fix the roof when the sun is shining, integrate a sexual conversation as a part of your yeah. relationship practice because... When you're in the bedroom and you're having sex, it's maybe a little clunky to be like, well, actually, I have a preference if you yeah, were to do this you? right now. yeah. But if you're in an environment where you're able to articulate like, hey, I've got like a, a specific desire or I would love to see you in a particular position or
0: outfit, outfit or, wig, or, 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 or like
1: or even if it's a fetish, like, fuck it, dude, implement <laughs> that into this sacred yeah. alchemizing bucket that we get to entertain as a part of this relationship and and sex is that it's this domain of transmuting things into beauty and into love and even like like so many things can be healed Mm -hmm. through sex transmutation this this alchemy practice is taking something from one substance and transmuting it and changing it transforming it into something else and sex is one of those really magical domains that we can take. You can you can be fighting about the little things. You can be. And you've, you've not been following the rules of these lists that we've given you and <laughs> doing all the right things. And, and one good sexual experience with your lover, with your partner can alleviate yeah. all of those little micro tears that you felt from the scorekeeping and the nitpicking for yeah. the relationship and it's that powerful and, and you got to grease the wheels yeah. on it though.
0: We're not saying use sex to fix all your problems, No, but we're just speaking to the power that this thing holds in our life. And this is, this is one area that, you know, we speak so highly of John Wyland at London, Angel Winters and Justin Pierce and everything. And and this is, I, I love them, but there's actually one piece around the conversation of sex that I, I greatly disagree with London and Justin. So they make the argument that for the deepest, steamiest sexual connection, for the most polarized sexual connection, they don't talk about sex outside of the bedroom, outside of what their their sacred sexual space and they might have a beautiful sexual experience they will go the rest of the day they don't mention it they don't talk about it they don't bring it up because they want that sexual polarization to be in that sacred space they don't talk about it and this is one area that I strongly disagree because one of the things that I love and I think is really healthy for you and I certainly everyone could be different here is you know, we'll have beautiful lovemaking, and then four hours later, I'm still thinking about it, and I bring it up to you, and I'm like, "Oh man, remember our sex," or like, "Hey, I wanted, I, I want to bring this up with you," or, um, you know, I just want to highlight like something that you did that I loved. Yeah, you know, I'll That's be great like feedback for me. Yeah, I'll be like oh my God, when you did that one thing, that was freaking amazing. And you're giving feedback like, I loved that. And it could even be the space to be like, you know what I would love more of? Like, that's the time to bring up like, hey, you know, I've been thinking about this thing. It's like, Mm -hmm. kind of cushion it with, we just had sex, it was beautiful. I loved when he did that thing. And while we're on the topic, like, I've been thinking about this thing lately. Would you... Would you want to talk about that or be yeah. open to it? Yeah. Or like, I would just love this thing, you know, to experience this thing a little bit more. It, it's less of a blow to the ego than to be like, we need to talk about what you're not providing me right. in sex. Um, so that's where I, I disagree with Justin and London. I think they have a valid argument and it works for them, but um, I definitely disagree. And I think that it's fun and playful to talk about sex outside of the sacred space
1: don't make it taboo and uh the sooner you can do this in the relationship the sooner it trickles into your marriage and then your your parenting dynamic too and uh, at least the way that we grew up sex was taboo and um that's part of just what comes with being a christian unfortunately but uh in the way that we grew up not a christian now just just make that clear (laughs) (laughs) um and so if you want to get further into this a really early episode that actually yeah. you did episode yeah, on 133 we called it the sex episode no it was
0: episode 33
1: oh yeah 133 uh, yeah. yeah
0: episode 33 i interviewed alexa martinez now alexa Bowditch she got married um it's the sex episode and we she shares a free resource in that episode that's called the want will won't list and this is a whole list of everything you could ever imagine that two people could do together in the domain of sex things as weird as like farting on each other or peeing or which we've done (laughs) well you've definitely farted on me not in a sexual way though (laughs) and not because i wanted it I'm saving Um, that
1: one. But there's some I need to spice it up.
0: (laughs) There's some weird stuff on that list that'll just make you giggle. Yeah. But the point of it is it opens up the dialogue with your partner so that you can have a a list of things like, yeah, I would do that. Oh, yeah, I'm interested in that. Mm, I'm not interested in you farting in my mouth. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I'm not interested in that. So that would be the won't. Yeah. I, I won't do that. It does one. nothing for me. And then the want is like, yes, I'm into this. And then the will is like, yeah, I'd be open to that. If that's something you're into, yeah. then yeah, I'm I'm open to it. Yep. Um. So it creates a, a container for this, what could be awkward, difficult conversation to be a little lighter and more fun. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's episode 33. <sighs> All yeah. right.
1: That is 10. I'll do a quick recap. Yeah. Starting at the top, these are our 10 pieces of relationship wisdom. One, think of your relationship as your teacher and or your mirror. Two, establish a high dream individually and for the relationship. Three, never trash talk your partner to anyone. Four, do the little things like they are the big things. Five, keeping the spark alive requires a different set of ingredients. Six, leave the space for change. Seven, understand the masculine and feminine dynamic and where you most comfortably sit. Eight, spend time learning about each other's as well as your own upbringing, childhood dynamic programming from your parents and community and others, not just your parents. Nine, play a lot and stay weird. Ten, talk openly and honestly about sex and your desires. That is it. This is 20 23 this is september and 23 probably coming out in october we'll keep an update on this list probably keep this refreshed and ongoing but um that's what we got so far
0: yeah no i think this is this was good and we would love to hear from you guys if it was helpful what stuck out to you what resonated um we love to see your shares on instagram that really um helps uh, spread the word and get the medicine out there. We appreciate it so much. Um, before we end, I got to know my love. What for you feels like medicine today?
1: Well, I really love that we have been rotating. Uh, we're doing a four-day rotational diet. It's in the book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy by our mentor, Paul Check. And uh, it's been a while since I've done this, but you essentially rotate the foods, the primary food groups, driven mostly off of the type of protein that you're eating every four days. So you eat a set of food groups between carbs, fats, and um, proteins and then you don't eat that food again for 4 days. And this is so your body one has a diversity of different food groups and types and basically strengthening its ability to digest those. But also as you consume certain foods consistently over and over and over, you might even get like almost like an allergic response to them because you're just pumping so much of yeah. the same food into your body. So it's actually really supportive of uh, healthy inflammation responses in the body by cycling yeah. food through this way and then additionally it helps you identify whether you yeah. really are sensitive to one particular food or type of food yeah because they're so spaced out you'll notice on a particular day if you're getting an inflammatory response from one of those foods right and so that's been really fun it's a little labor intensive just to be so conscious about not eating certain foods for four days but it's a worthwhile effort we've been doing it for two weeks we'll call it at 2 weeks probably keep a few things that we liked scrub off a few things that didn't but it's been a fun uh, little little cycle yeah what about you
0: my medicine today honestly was podcasting with you we we uh basically podcasted for the last like three and a half hours (laughs) together. And I'm just reminded how much I love this with you and how fun it is in the creation process. And then the, actually the vocalizing process. And uh, it's just, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, It's not easy having, uh, a podcast between the, the scheduling and the creation of episodes and the, the interviews and everything like that but it is such a labor of love which again is is the reason why it means so much when people share their feedback or share it or you know write up a review for us it's um it's we really pour our hearts into this and it's it's a not only is it fun it's a labor of love but it's it's a way that you and I connect and learn about ourselves and each other
1: it's the medicine
0: it is the medicine <laughs> i like what you did there All right, you guys, thanks for hanging with us today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Take some of these tips and uh, implement them into your life, into your relationship, and let us know how it goes. We'll talk to you next time. Go spread some light. Okay,
1: bye. bye.
0: Hey, friend, thanks for listening. Did you hear anything today that expanded your mind, made you laugh, touched your soul, or caused you to think differently about this topic, I hope so. I invite you to share this episode with someone you love. It takes 30 seconds and has the potential for a great ripple effect. Our world needs more people having real, honest, and open-minded dialogue on big topics. And you never know, you may just change their entire day. We love you and appreciate you being here with us. Cheers.